That's kind of where I start off with a high income professional and the frugality is that really our frugal doesn't look like other people's frugal because we are blessed with a higher income. Our frugal would just look like living in a modest house rather than like a totally baller house. What's going on, guys? This is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. Thank you for tuning in. This is the show where we combine fire and real estate to bring you the best professionals, the best thought leaders in both of those topics, teach you about financial independence and retiring early and real estate investing to get your investments in the most proven asset class in history. Today, our guest is Disha Spath from The Frugal Physician. Today, we're talking about frugality, making frugality more accessible, less scary, why it's important for high-paid professionals, particularly today, and for high-paid professionals who are kind of early on in their career, it's super critical to apply some of these lessons for a lot of folks, particularly those who have a lot of student loans or need to start building their wealth, building their investments before they really get ahead of themselves and put all of that money into building their lifestyle. Disha has a super powerful story, a great experience. She is a physician and she's going to tell us all about her story, got into working, had a huge lifestyle, had an experience that showed her the risk that she was taking and the way she was living her lifestyle, made a change. And now she has become the frugal physician. If you are at a point where you have a big lifestyle, maybe a lot of student debt, as many physicians do, but not only physicians, many other people, lawyers, engineers can have quite a bit of student debt. You need to consider some of these lessons. This might be the thing that can change the trajectory of your life and get you on a path that will help you get rid of that student debt, get rid of some of that consumer debt maybe you have, and start building your wealth, building your passive income streams through many strategies that are out there. Like I said, we talk about real estate here, but it's not the only option out there. We are a little biased. And Disha is a real estate investor as well. So the proof's in the pudding. Real estate is a great investment, but it's not the only one, I'll be honest with you. So once again, today we're talking about frugality and making frugality a little less scary, less intimidating, more accessible, and helping you make a plan to trim down some of your lifestyle in areas where maybe you could stand to do that, put some more money into your investments, pay down some debt, and get yourself more on the wealth trajectory that you want to be on. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Vote. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. Love talking about these topics. I think we get too caught up in keeping up with the Joneses, and it keeps so many people, that, that temptation, marketing, whatever it is, to... Just buy, 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 spend, spend, spend. Keeps so many people working when really they could have been retired, doing jobs they don't want to do. When time is your friend, if you got started with some of these lessons early on, you can set yourself on a path where you don't have to do things that you don't want to do. So again, big topic. Today we're talking about frugality with Disha Spath from The Frugal Physician. Without any further ado, here we go. Disha, thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk with you. We're going to talk about the topic of 
frugality. We're going to try to make it a little less scary for the folks out there. And you have a really incredible life story and also brand and everything. Uh, for those out there who don't know you, don't know your history, can you tell us about who you are and how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. So I'm Disha and I blog at thefrugalphysician.com. And uh, I talk about frugality as it applies to high-income professionals. And that sounds so lame, uh, <laughs> even when I say it. <laughs> but uh, but it's really quite fun. I, I, I find it fun to find ways to save money. But I wasn't always that way. I was actually kind of... Uh, when I finished uh, my training as a doctor, I was kind of the typical doctor that inflated, you know, I, I got a, I got a nice paying job. So I got a nice house and moved to a nice neighborhood and, you know, kind of just inflated all of our lifestyle to the point where it was just meeting the salary that I was bringing in and everything was good. I just had a baby and my husband was staying home to take care of the baby and pursue his master. So I was the primary breadwinner. Everything was fine, except we were just like always living on the edge. Like I felt like we were always just living paycheck to paycheck. We were saving the minimum that I was comfortable with. And um, we had a ton of student debt. You know, we were making the payments, but the problem came when all of a sudden I had to take another maternity leave and it was unpaid and uh, something got messed up with my paperwork with the Fed loan servicing and I my my student loan payments didn't stop, you know, it's pretty common that something gets messed up there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, by the time I got the rejection that of that, I couldn't, you know, pause my payments for hardship my maternity leave was all already over at that point. And so anyway, so whole bunch of bills coming in, no income and not being able to spend time with my baby as much as, as I wanted to, because I was stressed out about money, you know, I mean, we were fine with saved, but I was still stressed out and I didn't want to be in that place again. I didn't want to be in a spot where two months of not having income would stress me out that much, you know, and not be able to, and then I wouldn't be able to uh, enjoy time with my family. So I decided at that point um, that something had to change and like, I was not liking the way we were going. And then I talked to my husband and he, you know, he's a really good guy and he understood, you know, where I was coming from and he got on board pretty quickly too. So, and then we changed our ways and got frugal. <laughs> <laughs> and I think frugality is a huge, I think, opportunity, a big missed opportunity for a lot of high-income professionals that kind of get caught up in the lifestyle of keeping up with the Joneses. And right. if they get in a situation like you experienced where it's a little precarious, maybe they don't take the next step and apply the lessons and make a change or something like that because it's it's scary and they don't you don't want to be judged. You don't want to seem like the cheapskate. You don't want to, you know, you want to keep up with your colleagues that, you know, drive the cool cars and everything like that. But I mean, how do you make it less intimidating to be, you know, the frugal person at work? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think it starts with the end in mind. It starts with a good why. My why was to be with my children a little bit more, to have the um, room in my life to make make time for them and not have to take every shift that, you know, I was offered and not have to work. You know, I wanted to be able to work when I wanted to work and enjoy uh, both time at home and time at work. And so that's where I started. You know, I wanted the freedom and choices. And I think that's where most people would get 
a better appreciation for frugality. Because the thing is, you know, even as high in- income professionals, people think we have it so easy. You know, at 200, whatever, 100,000, 200,000 dollars, 300, 400, 500,000 dollars, people, as, as soon as you get to six figures, people are like, oh, get it made. You know, you <laughs> ne- never have to, <laughs> you never have to try at finances because it's all just going to keep coming in. But the thing is that it's not that easy as, as our income goes up. So does our tax, you know, and um, you're bringing in, uh, you're paying five figures in taxes. Um, and as your lifestyle inflates, as the expectations inflate, it's really easy for all of the money that you bring in to then go back out the door again, you know. And that money that you're making does not stay yours for very long if you're not paying attention. And as you know, you know, building passive (laughs) wealth is first you got to put in the cash to actually invest and then it starts making you money. If you're always fighting, if you're always paying someone else interest, it's very hard to start getting paid interest yourself. You know, you got to make some room between your spending and your uh, income. And so that's kind of where I start off with a high income professional and and frugality is that really our frugal doesn't look like other people's frugal. Like our frugal does not have to look like other people's frugal because we are blessed with a higher income. You know, our frugal would just look like living in a, uh, you know, modest house rather than like a totally baller house for a little while, you know, or (laughs) driving a Honda instead of, you know, a Beamer. You know, it's not, there's, it's still a perfectly valid car. It's just a little bit of a, I don't like making judgments on what people buy because everybody has a different budget, but a Honda is cheaper than a BMW and usually, you know, cheaper to maintain. So anyway, basically our, you know, high income professionals don't have to be that frugal in order to make good progress. And all we have to do is just be a little intentional and then we can make tons of progress. So I think that really hones in, helps hone in on, you know, how folks can start taking the first steps to becoming more frugal or putting more money away, start saving, start investing, or start really blowing up their investments is thinking about how they can be frugal in a different way than kind of the typical, don't have that coffee on that latte every Saturday that you're like, all right, it's whatever, five bucks. Right. You're not going to, if if five bucks makes a difference to you, then yeah. We need to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> well, the, I tend to focus on fixed stuff, fixed costs, because I think that's a very easy, low-hanging fruit to make room in your budget. So, yeah, I tend to focus on fixed costs. So, so anything that you make a habit will then become a fixed cost in your life. So if, like, getting Starbucks every single day is a habit, then it is a fixed cost, you know? And so a $5 latte can add up to a lot if you're getting it every single day or every single, you know, half day, like I was. (laughs) 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 I was, uh, I'm quite a caffeine junkie, you know. And uh, whenever I was working as a hospitalist, um, we would go in early and, you know, work long hours and I'd be tired all the time, young mom. And so anyway, I spent up a a lot of money on coffee. But the thing is, you know, it's what's important to you. If it's important to you to get a $5 latte every Saturday, heck yeah, get it, you know, but just make room in your uh, budget elsewhere. What we uh, focused on was like minimizing our 
bills that were coming in. So like cable, how could we cut costs there? Insurance, how can we cut costs there? Stuff that I can look at for like half a day and then make a change. And then I don't have to think about it again. So kind of automating those savings in our life. And, you know, making these small changes, we were able to go from saving like $1,000 a month to $10,000 a month. And we completely, yeah. I mean, just, just being intentional about it. And of course, it, it helped that my husband went back to work too. We paid off my student loans, which is really what I felt like was weighing me down the most was my student loans because I felt like at $2,500 a month, it was like having a second mortgage. In fact, it was a third mortgage because we already had a rental property that we were second mortgaging. Anyway, so we paid that off um, in, in 17 months a little less than 18. So it was about $200,000 in 18 months, which was like amazing. You know, it was a great, it was such a great feeling to see that and see the fruit of frugality kind of bias our freedom. I think that can do it. It can do it for anyone. And that's why I'm so passionate about it because like, it's so not cool to be frugal when you're a high income professional, <laughs> but it's so useful. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you. I think you hit the nail on the head that it's it's not cool, but it's very useful. Now, when you're you know paying off these loans, you're saving all this money, and you eventually hit a milestone like paying off a huge loan. How do you not backslide and you know reinflate your lifestyle, or I guess even more broadly, like what do you do with that money, and and when do you kind of maybe open up the taps on spending a little bit and say, ah, we can live a little bit more at some point. Like, how does that work for the frugal physician? Yeah, that's a very good question. And this is something that we just went through. We just paid off um, the loans in March of 2019. And then a year later, we bought our our house again. So initially, we had a house, we were living in a kind of a doctor house. We downsized to a smaller rental and then paid off the debt. And then we went went ahead and upsized again. Um, and now we're back into like an attending house. So kind of uh, figuring out the budget and figuring out how much we wanted to inflate, we kind of again started at the end. So we had several goal, goals in mind when we were um, devising our budget post super duper frugality for paying off the student uh, debt. So we wanted to reach a net worth of a million by 40 and then financial independence by 45. That's our goal. So I think, so we went from there. So, okay, so how much do we need to invest every year to get to that? So we decided that, okay, so uh, we could inflate to this particular point. As long as we're saving this amount a month and investing it, we can inflate up to that point. So you, it sounds like you did this calculation ahead of time and figured out that, okay, once we hit this point, we're going to have this amount of money left over how much of it do we want to allocate to expanding our lifestyle? Right. And how much of it do we want to continue saving based on our long-term goal? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's all math-based. And I really like that because it kind of takes the emotion out of it. And, you know, and we, we decided what our budget was before we went and started looking at houses. Yeah. So, and, you know, for us, the frugal choice was that we bought a 3,000 square foot house instead of a 4,000 square foot house, you know, <laughs> it's still a big house, you know? Um, so it's not that like big of a choice. Um, it's not that adversely affecting to our lifestyle or anything. So when we, um, when we upsized, we didn't make a, the frugal choice and didn't go for the 4,000 square foot house, which, you know, yay. <laughs> I can't really talk myself out 
slap on the back too much, but you know, like I'm happy that we stick to our budget and because I stick to what we wanted, you know, and needed. Yeah. 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 So I suppose, you know, I, I think about this and like, what are some moves early on that, I mean, you, you obviously saw a move you could make and you made that move and downsized your lifestyle, made a lot of changes and succeeded in doing so. But if you were to go back mm-hmm. even before that, and you could tell yourself something, maybe before you get out of med school, I don't know what, what would you say? I mean, one thing, is it related to loans, lifestyle? You can, what can you, what would you change, do differently? The one thing, I have like two things, but I'll say probably the one thing is that you need a plan. <laughs> you need a plan for your student loans specifically, um, especially when we have like six figures in student debt. There's like so much I wish I had known about student loans that I didn't when I went into it, you know, and I'm reading so many books now at this point that have so much good information, like Ben White's Medical Student Loans is a great book. I'm just going through that now. And it's like so heavy in detail. And I wish I'd read that before I became an attending. It's a lot of the uh, income qualifying things that you can take advantage of are right when you're about to graduate and about to upshift your salary. So if you can get into an income-based, uh, income-driven plan um, and certify at the lower income at your student income, then you can really benefit for that one year, you know, before your next, before you have to uh, recertify again at your attending level or whatever your, you know, professional salary is going to be. So you can take advantage of that and like public service loan forgiveness and that kind of stuff as a medical professional or, um, you know, any uh, public servant uh, servant can uh, take advantage of that and try to minimize their payments and get the maximum payoff and that kind of stuff, you know, so you can really game it if you really tried to. So I think that's probably a very valuable time spend right before you graduate, I think. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I mean, it gets really gets into the details, but mm-hmm. it comes down to making a plan. And Ben's going to be on the show next month. So we're going to be ah. discussing that with him as well. But, awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Cool. All right. Great. So right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Disha, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right. Great. First one, what's the best investment you ever made other than in your education? I, um, we actually bought a house when I was in my residency uh, and my husband was in the army. We bought a house that looking at it as a rental when they first bought it and, um, and it's still a rental property. And it was one of these places that we moved in and they wouldn't even deliver pizza to our house because wow. <laughs> it was that dangerous. It was like totally classy. Um, but uh, now uh, it is the hottest neighborhood in Nashville. Like it's just completely blown up and it's done so well and uh, has very stable and good renters. So we're very happy with that. That's a rental property. Now, are you are you going to be scaling up your rental property portfolio or what else have you done in real estate since then? Yeah. So um, actually, I'm in the process now of refinancing that and getting some cash out and then putting that into another nice. rental property. So yeah, the, the plan from now on is uh, hopefully one property a year. Nice, nice. Rolling that cash flow ball. Love it. Yes, sir. We had the best investment. <laughs> we had the best investment. Now we go to the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? 
I think probably the worst investment I ever made was just the fact that I didn't invest. I just, you know, zero investment from like college onwards until my first job as an attending. Like I really thought I had to wait until then. I probably shouldn't have. I mean, I know I shouldn't have. That's 10, 10 wasted years. I wish I had. Yeah, that opportunity cost. And I think that also goes back to what you were saying earlier about having a plan, because if you can make a plan anytime, if you make the plan very mm-hmm. early on, you can start those investments very early on. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it helps so much to have the end in mind. It kind of, and it's so hard to know like what you want when you're younger and, you know, um, that, that's the hardest part of making a plan, but just having some plan and you can always change it, but at least just start working towards it. It doesn't have to be the perfect one, but as long as you get started, I think it's very valuable. That's the first step. Love it. Yeah. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in the business and investing? Stay the course. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard right now, especially, uh, but yeah, to stay the course and like try not to uh, react too much to the situation, yet keeping abreast of what's going on and trying to take advantage of the new whatever is going on, you know, at the same time, that's especially at this time um, of, of our history, it's difficult to do that. Um, and I think it's uh, difficult to stay balanced um, and keep emotions out of it. So, Absolutely. That is something that I think many of us tend to struggle with. I know I certainly do, is it gets tough when times are hard and you know we're in, we're in unprecedented times right now or, or rarely precedented. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to keep emotions out of your investments, keep emotions out of those decisions and stay the course. I like that. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming today and teaching us about frugality. I think it's a huge topic that, especially from my observation, a lot of high-income professionals like doctors just tend to miss out on the advantages of because it is kind of scary and you do a lot of great work making it less scary for folks. Thank you. If folks want to thank you for doing what you do. If folks want to get in touch, if they want to learn more, where can they find you? So I'm at www.thefrugalphysician.com. I have a Facebook group for physicians called The Frugal Physicians, um, a Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter. I am trying to get into TikTok. Just you wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, until then, <laughs> you can find me on my website. Nice. Well, it seems like yeah, TikTok might end up shutting down or closing shop or we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, Oh, gosh. Yeah, who knows? Okay. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, thanks once again. I, I think this topic of frugality and making it a little less scary, a little more accessible, again, is super important. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated. It helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thanks for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.